Hello everyone, this is Pastor Jay Tyler from Holt Assembly of God, and I want to thank you for listening to this broadcast of Life in the Spirit. I pray that you are challenged, blessed, and encouraged as you hear God's Word shared in this message. Today's message is the third and final message in our series, One Minute into Eternity. Before we move forward into in the message today, I just want to share a couple key thoughts uh, we've been sharing throughout the series. And uh, there are many beliefs about the afterlife. There's many beliefs about eternity uh, in our world. But the Bible is crystal clear. And I just want to focus on one verse, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27. And just as each person is destined to die once, and after that comes judgment. So we all have one life to live, and then we'll face the judgment. And the Bible communicates there are two places of judgment that exist. And the first one is the judgment seat of Christ. And all true believers will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.10, For we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Now there's some good news here. Even though the, the judgment seat of Christ seems imposing, and we should take it seriously, there's some good news. We are judged not by our sins. Our sins were judged at the cross. So we are judged, however, for the life of faith that we lived, and we are rewarded. So this is the place you want up here. You want to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. The second place of judgment is not so great, and it's called the great white throne judgment. Nobody should want to stand there because at this throne there is no mercy, there is no grace. It's just a truthful reckoning of our sins before a holy and righteous God. Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 through 15. Then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. Verse 12, And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and, the, and books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in them, and, Hades, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So hell was created for God to deal righteously with Satan and his demons. But hell is also created, or hell is there for God to deal with our sins in a righteous manner. For those who reject Christ. And hell will be a place of darkness because it's devoid of God and anything good. It drives me nuts when someone says, go to hell. Or I hope they rot in hell. Listen, we should not want anyone to go to hell. No one should go to hell. That should be our desire. Throughout this series, I've been reminding you of this truth. What we believe about eternity will determine how we live today. What we believe about eternity will determine how we live today. So if you believe that there's a heaven, to, or a heaven to gain and a hell to shun, then that will directly influence how you live your life today. So what does the Bible say about heaven? And I want to make this clear up front. No matter how hard I try, my abilities to describe heaven are going to be limited. And uh, there's not, never going to be an adequate description of heaven from any pulpit. And I think it's very clear why. Because when we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, it says this, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. 
I mean, heaven is going to be greater than anything we can ever imagine. More glorious than we can ever imagine. And it's truly an indescribable place. So my descriptions are going to fall short. But look what Jesus says about heaven. John uh, chapter 14, verses 1 through 6. says, Let not your heart be troubled, but believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may also be. And where, where I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? Jesus explains this very clearly. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The only way to get to heaven is through Jesus. If you're ready for Jesus, this should give you some comfort. If you know Jesus, you're, you're born again, your heart is right with God, this should bring you peace and comfort. If it doesn't, then you've got a great opportunity today to give your life to Jesus. Or maybe the peace and comfort that you have may not be uh, extended to someone else because you worry about where they are, where, where they'll be when they stand in eternity. Now listen, today, church, is the day to get some things right, to get determined, to get focused on reaching people for Jesus. Look what John writes in, about heaven in Revelation chapter 21. It says, Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, no sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Boy, some great news, isn't it? In heaven, there will be no more tears of sorrow, no more tears of pain, no more sickness, no more death. Everything that is evil, corrupted, violated, tarnished, and pure, all these things are done away with and everything is made new. In order to help us understand what heaven is like, I want to show you what heaven is not like. Because there are some common mis misconceptions when it comes to heaven or what heaven's going to be like. For example, when we get to heaven, we're all going to become fat, bald angels floating around in clouds playing a harp. We don't become angels and we won't float around in the clouds strumming a harp. Another misconception people have is heaven's going to be boring. That heaven is not going to be boring. And so why would people think that heaven is going to be boring? And, and really there's a good reason why you might think that heaven's going to be boring because eternity is a really, 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 really long time, right? So when you think about this, and some of the misconceptions, or if eternity is so long, and, and if we're going to be in heaven, we're going to be worshiping God, that, that, isn't that going to get old after 10,000 years? Let's not look at worship, how we conduct ourselves here today as the example. While this is an expression of worship, this is not true worship. Does that make sense? There's more to do with worship than just lifting our hands and singing some songs. Worship is what we do for the glory of God. 
Romans 12.1, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer yourselves a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So true worship to God is living our lives as a living sacrifice, doing everything for the glory of God, doing what God created us to do. That is true worship. Let's circle back to that truth here in a little bit. See, if I were the devil, I would try to convince you of this, that hell's not real, or it's a place that hardly anybody goes. Just really, really bad people go there. I would also try to convince you that heaven is boring, so why don't you just live for today? Growing up, I imagine this. When we get to heaven, well, there'd be a long line going through the clouds, and everyone's waiting to get in. St. Peter's there at the end. He's at the pearly gates. He's going to check us in, checks us off some list, and then he gives us a robe and a harp, and there's these misconceptions that we have. And I'm, I'm sure that some of you have some of the same misconceptions or maybe a little bit different than mine, but there are misconceptions that exist. And again, maybe you had something similar. But uh, growing up, maybe you never even thought about heaven, but we should. And today, I hopefully, hopefully, your hearts are fixed towards heaven. So why is it important? So why is it so important that our hearts should be fixed on heaven? Because no eye has seen. No mind has conceived what God has planned for those who love him. People may think heaven's going to be boring because many people think God's boring. Many people think that God's a killjoy. He, he robs us of everything that's fun. Or heaven, heaven will be the opposite of boredom. Heaven is going to be the absence of everything evil, and it's going to be the presence of everything good. Heaven is going to be the absence of everything evil, and it's going to be the presence of everything good. Help us understand that and get a better look. Let's look what James says in James 1, 7. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Everything that is good and we enjoy on earth is the result. It's a gift of God. Therefore, when we get to heaven, we will enjoy everything that we enjoyed on this earth but it will be apart from sin, it will be apart from pain, apart from sorrow and death. Heaven is the absence of everything evil, and it's the presence of everything good. Listen, in heaven, we will recognize one another. We will know, we will love, and we will be loved. For those of you who have lost somebody who was in Christ, maybe a child, a spouse, a relative, a friend, you will be reunited with them in heaven. There's a common phrase that we find in the Old Testament. It should give us assurance. And uh, Genesis 5.8, I'm just going to focus on one, one use of it, but it's explained uh, at the deaths of Isaac, Jacob, Aaron, Moses, many more. This phrase is used or something common to it. Uh, Genesis 25.8, that Abraham breathed his last and died in good old age, an old man and full of years, and was gathered to his people. In heaven, there will be no more sickness, no more heartache, no more rejection, no shame, no pain. Only in heaven, there will be perfect love. Heaven will be a place of unimaginable beauty. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for us. When I think about that, I think about, you know what, there might be new colors in heaven. There might be new sensations. Have you ever thought about that? I mean, we should really think about heaven more. What is it going to be like in heaven? Because all we have is here and now to really kind of be our point of reference. But the Bible is very clear. There's a new heavens and a new earth. What is it going to be like without the absence of pain and death and sin and sorrow? 
I mean, it's just an unimaginable thing. Think about the beauty of this fallen world. I mean, our world does have some, some natural beauty. Think about this. If you could take the next 10 years, travel wherever you wanted, go anywhere in the world that you wanted, and visit every site that you ever wanted to see, spend time there, enjoy it, heaven is going to be much greater than that. Can you imagine the beauty of this world as it is affected by sin and, and pain and, and sorrow? But can you imagine a new heaven and a new earth without any sin, without any shame, without any sorrow, without any death? Imagine where there's a, a world where the animals are tamed, the lion lays down with the lamb. No sin, no death, no pain. There are many beautiful places throughout the world, but again, all will pale in comparison to heaven. No eye has seen, no mind has conceived the beauty that awaits us in heaven. Look, in heaven we will see Jesus face to face. Aren't you, aren't you looking forward to that day? 1 John 3, 2, Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we will know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Throughout the Bible, mankind has been limited to see God's face. Limited in their, their ability to see God. Moses made this request. Do you remember this in the Old Testament? That he wanted to see God. God, show me your glory. But God tells Moses, you can't handle my glory. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pass by and just give you a glimpse. You know, when we stand in heaven, we will see Jesus face to face. The creation will look upon the face of the creator in all his glory. In heaven, we will have new and perfect bodies, and you should say amen right there. Whatever pain, sickness, disease you've suffered in your body here on earth, in heaven you are forever cured. Why? Because you have a new body that is not subject to death. Paul spoke about the resurrection of our earthly bodies, transforming and becoming new and glorified bodies. Look at 1 Corinthians 15.53. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. In heaven there will be no more death, no more pain, no more sorrow, no more sickness, no more fear, no more stress, no more depression, no more sleepless nights, no more abuse, no more headaches, no more divorce, no more racism, no more injustice, no more violence, no more going to bed or getting up at three in the morning to use the bathroom, no more bad breath, no more Monday mornings, and no more that time of the month. And all God's people, men and women, said, Amen. Amen. What will heaven be like? Heaven is the absence of everything bad, everything painful, everything evil. Heaven is the presence of everything good, everything holy, everything glorious. So what will we do in heaven? Have you ever thought about that? What will we do in heaven? Well, we'll serve Jesus. In heaven, we will have a function. Again, we're not just floating around on clouds, strumming a harp. Again, I could see where people could think that could get boring. So in heaven, we'll have a function. It will be a glorifying purpose. I believe that same purpose, honestly, is, is revealed to us today here on earth. It's just our flesh and sin in this world, it kind of distracts us. Some of us are fully into that function. Others of us have no clue what God's called us to do. We don't function anywhere near that purpose. But I can tell you this, in heaven you will have a function, you will have a purpose, and you will fulfill it for the glory of God. Revelation 22, 3. 
No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. His servants will worship him. Again, remember, what is true worship? True worship is living our lives as a living sacrifice. And listen, it won't be all that much of a sacrifice for us because here's why. You'll want to serve Jesus in the capacity that you were created for. Today, some of us, again, we serve God in some capacity that we were created and others, we just miss it completely. But in heaven, you'll know why God created you and you will function in that capacity. On earth, our purpose is corrupted by our flesh and our selfishness. But in heaven, our purpose is fully made known, and there are no limitations. In heaven, we will serve Jesus and our creative purpose, and it will be with pure joy. It won't be a chore. It won't be a job. You'll simply function in your purpose, and you'll have great peace. In heaven, we'll be able to fulfill our purpose, enjoy our purpose, and glorify God in our purpose. Heaven is the, every, is the presence of everything good, and it's the absence of everything evil. Whatever you think or imagine about heaven, it will be far better. Why? why? Why do we know that for sure? No eye has seen, no mind has conceived for what God has prepared for those who love him. Church, let's, let's never forget this. This world is not our home. The world that we live in is not our home. Paul talked about this in Philippians. Philippians chapter 3, verses 19 through 21. Their destiny is their destruction. Their God is their stomach. And their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly, eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will, by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that we will be like his glorious body. Praise God for that. Those of you who don't know Christ, or those people who don't know Christ. Their mind is set on earthly things. They, they have a temporary perspective, but church, our perspective should be much different. We shouldn't have our minds focused on what's temporary. Our minds should be focused on what's eternal. What matters most is what, hap is what happens here now to the unbeliever. But for us, what happens in eternity should be what's of most importance. Those who don't know Christ, again, their focus is on what I have, what I look like, where I go, how I dress, what I own, what I wear, where I live, how much money is in my bank account, or our opinion of them. These things should not matter. Why? Because our citizenship is in heaven. Our minds, our concerns, our energy should be directed towards heaven. The world is not our home, and we eagerly, eagerly await a Savior, and it's the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? I've, I've used this illustration before and seen preachers do this before and uh, do something similar. So I want you to imagine this. this. This rope represents eternity. It's the timeline of history. Eternity in the past and eternity in the future. You know, God's existence and our understanding of time is beyond that. So I want you to imagine this rope and this, this little piece of, of blue that's marked here represents all human history. All human, from Adam until a new heaven and a new earth. Where are we on this timeline? Well, of course, we're here somewhere. And this portion of the rope, again, represents what has taken place with humanity from the beginning until the end. So when you look at this, it's a very small amount of time compared to eternity. 
It's very small. It's, it's minuscule. Look what the Bible says about our lives. James 4, 17. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. You know, we are here on earth for just a brief time. But why is it that brief time that we are so consumed, so fixated on what happens here rather than what happens here? You know, even if you live for 120 years, which sounds just like forever, doesn't it? But even if you live for 120 years, it is just a vapor. It's just a moment. It's just a dot on history in comparison to eternity. Most of us are living our lives for this part right here. We, we do everything according to what happens here rather than what happens here. This is what really matters. It's this part here. It's what happens in eternity. It's what happens when our life is over and what takes place here. This is the most important thing that happens. This is, this is what's the greatest importance to us. Eternity matters, but most of us, to most of us, again, it's not in our mind. It's not in our, and it's not in our view. We're so fixed on what's taking place here. Look at Matthew 6, 20 and 21. Store up for your, excuse me, store for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there also is the desires of your heart will be also. Again, we, we use that verse to talk about money and possessions, and it's true, but it, it, it fits with everything. Why is it that we are so fixated on storing up treasures for ourselves here? I, I love watching Dis Discovery Channel, Discovery Plus, and, just, and they have a new show on, on the pharaohs and Egypt, and it's amazing. Again, all this, all this preparation, uh, accumulating stuff and wealth, and then they, they bury it in these tombs so they can have it in the afterlife. And again, we are just digging it up and putting it in museums. It, it's just so ironic, but yet we do the same thing. We, we do the exact same thing. We store up for ourselves treasures here rather than here. I don't know about you, but sometimes I get upset, especially if I'm driving and you're driving too slow. Get upset. Life happens, I'm running late, something breaks, uh, someone treats you poorly, whatever, and it gets all my attention, but it's just happening here. And what I've got to do, and all of us have to do, is we have to stop for a moment and say, okay, what does it matter here? What does it really matter here? Rather than what does it matter here? Because we largely live our lives by what happens here. But I'm just saying, if we are here for a brief time, and this time is important, it is a factor because it determines a lot of what happens here, but are we really preparing ourselves for this part of our lives? Or are we solely focused on this part of our lives? Unfortunately, the things that don't matter most get us the most upset, at least it does me. And there are things in this life that just don't matter, they do not matter for eternity. How I love matters. Uh, how I give matters. How I serve, it matters. Instead of being upset or obsessed with what happens here, I need to pause and ask myself, what does it matter? How will it affect my life, my being, my state of whatever in this part of my life, in eternity? 2 Corinthians 4.16 This is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small. 
and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that is vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we do not look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things which, that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will be soon be gone. But the things that we cannot see will last forever. What matters most? What matters most in heaven? What is the, again, what is the most expensive, most valuable thing you'll find in heaven? Is it gold? No, we're going to be walking on it, right? Is it, is it jewelry? No, it's foundations. Souls. Souls. It's people. People last forever. What matters most is souls. What we believe about eternity determines how we live today. If we're really going to store up treasure for ourselves in heaven, souls, what are we doing in this part of our life to ensure that we have souls in this part of our life? That's what I want you to ask yourself. All around the world, throughout our, even throughout our community, there are people who wrongly believe certain things about eternity or how they're going to get to heaven. Too many people believe this life. Good people are going to heaven. I'm a good person. I haven't killed anybody. I'm, I'm not a drug dealer. I haven't abused anyone. I'm not a bad person. Heaven, heaven's my default destination, correct? Because I'm a good person. No, actually, it's not. And Jesus says something completely different. Matthew 7, 13 through 14. You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad, and its gate is wide for many who choose that way. But the gateway up to life is very narrow, and the road is difficult, and only a few find it. The truth is this, that we're not good people. And I mentioned this last week. We are, by default, we are not good people. Romans 3.23 is very clear. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Jeremiah says that the heart above all things is wicked. How, who goes to heaven? Is it good people? No. Those who go to heaven are those who are forgiven, who are redeemed, and who are born again. They must come through the gate. They must come through the person of Jesus Christ. There is no other way to heaven. It's not based on our deeds. It's not based on our good works. It's not based on what church we go to. It's based on our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. I know our culture tells us something opposite, that good people go to heaven. But our culture is wrong, and the Word of God is true. If we could ever understand this, if we could ever truly get a glimpse of who God is, His holiness, His righteousness, His perfection, His purity, and we would stand before Him as we are, if we could truly get a glimpse of who we are, we would really understand then who we are. That we are not good people. We've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We all have shortcomings in our lives. We all have imperfections. We all have selfishness. We all have sin that is in our lives. We fall short of God's holy and righteous standards. When we recognize we are sinners and we fall short of God's holy standards and we understand the penalty that is due to us, it's a frightening thing. That's why we should never want anyone to stand before that great white throne of judgment. There is no mercy. There is no grace. They will stand there convicted and guilty of their sins. Man, I t church, I pray that none of us want anyone to stand before God in that position. And I know there are things that have been, people have been taken from us, there have been 
there's been murders, there have been tragedies, and all these different things. But listen, hell is forever. It doesn't, it, listen, it doesn't give out at a certain time. It's not like, well, you paid your dues and you get out. It's forever. It's devoid of God and it's devoid of everything good. It is created for Satan and his angels, but God will use it to deal righteously with our own sin. I hope, I hope, and I pray that through this series, this is what I wanted to do, was in, to encourage you to increase an urgency in your heart for people. There are people around you every day, whether it's work, whether it's at the grocery store that you go to, people that desperately need Jesus. And I want you to think about this. The, the most precious thing you'll find in heaven is a soul. And they're all around us. Some of us lost in their sins and just lost in their own debauchery and others just lost in religion. Thinking everything is right. Everything, I'm a good person. I believe in Jesus. I'm going to heaven. And just lost as last year's Easter egg. What happens in eternity will truly impact how you live today. So what I need you to do is just stand back for a second and look at your life and see how they correlate together. Once again, I'd like to thank you for listening to this message. It was an honor to be able to spend this time with you in God's Word. If you have any questions or would like to find out more about Holt Assembly of God, please go to our website at www.holtag.org and connect with us there. Until our next broadcast of Life in the Spirit, I hope that you have a great day as you serve the Lord Jesus with a grateful heart.